Good morning, OCC. Well, it is my great privilege and pleasure to be back to worship our Lord Jesus with you. Uh, I have been here uh, twice in person, twice by message, by video. And I can tell you that it's way better to be here in person. So if some of you watching online, I, I highly encourage you to come back to worship with us in person. Um, so I always greatly appreciate a, a, an, an invitation from this congregation. Because every time when I come, I have a great time. I fall in love with this congregation more and more and with the people, its leaders. And uh, you guys are very special uh, to me and to GMPI. And before I uh, speak uh, just on this passage, I just want to remind all of you that you guys are making a global impact from all, with all, because you have a lot of great uh, global partners. And through your prayers, through your financial giving, you guys are making a huge impact around the world through ministry like GMPI or like GBM that uh, I just want to thank you. And it's a great honor and privilege for us to be your global partners. Uh, if you have been here in person or you have been watching online for the past three weeks, that you know that we are currently in a sermon series called Compassion According to Jesus. Uh, my friend Craig has done a great job walking us through Luke 7 uh, to let us to see how Jesus responded to different people with his compassion. And today we'll continue with this sermon series and we're going to look at another story where a sinful woman showed her deep love to Jesus because of her forgiveness by Jesus. And I simply titled my sermon, Deep Love from Divine Forgiveness. I really appreciate Greg, uh, Craig's trust for letting me conclude this sermon series, and I will do my best so that you, can, you don't need to repreach this ser sermon <laughs> next week. Um, so please turn your Bible with me to Luke 7. Luke chapter 7, verse 36 to 50. That's where we're going to be today. It reads like this. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house, you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wept my feet with her tears, and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, 
has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not pour oil on my head, but she had poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. That's the word of the Lord. Upon until this point in Luke's gospel, Jesus has been traveling in that region. He has been teaching about the kingdom of heaven, healing people from different sicknesses, driving out impure spirits, raising people from, uh, from death to life. Jesus had gained a lot of popularity up, in, up to this point in that region. A lot of people want to figure out who this Jesus really is. Some people even want to have some, a closer interaction with Jesus by inviting him to eat at his house. That's where we start today. Luke uh, 7, 36 says this, a Pharisee invited Jesus to have dinner with him. He went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. We see the invitation for Jesus. You know, we all have, if you read the, the Gospels before, you know this group of people, the Pharisees, uh, they are a group of relig religious elites. They are the religious people. They religiously practice the rituals such as ceremonial washings, fastings, prayers, and giving, but they neglect genu genuine inward connection with God. They are a group of people very self-righteous. They do things outwardly, but inside they're empty. Uh, because what they do in public, the Pharisees usually are seen, they usually are seen by the society as righteous holy, or usually very important. In other words, the character we see, the first character of our story today, Simon the Pharisee, is a man of honor in the society. Uh, the motivation of Simon inviting Jesus to come to his house to eat was a little bit unclear. Uh, I was not able to identify what his uh, motivation was, but as we know, the Pharisees often st stand against what Jesus teaching, and vice versa. Jesus always used them as examples. So do not do these like the Pharisees. You know, they give very religiously, but when they give, what they do? They, they get all the coins out of their pockets, and they want other people to hear the, the, the sound, how much money they were given. They, they, they put in the offering plate, right? So when, we, when they fast, they put a mark on their on their forehead and to, to tell other people, by the way, I'm fasting today. But what, what Jesus was teaching us, you know, when you fast, be joyful. Do not let other people to, to, to tell that you are fasting today. Do not let your left hand to know what your right hand is giving. So you see, the Pharisees are always a teaching subject for Jesus. And the Pharisees are, are always stand against with the teaching of our Lord. Um, so uh, here's just my uh, guesses about uh, Simon's motivation, why he wants to invite Jesus to eat with him. Perhaps it's his pride. Perhaps he wants him to look good from the outside by other people. Look, I have uh, an honor, a very honorable guest in our house to eat. 
Perhaps, like other Pharisees, his intent was to trap or trick Jesus, like what other Pharisees always want to do. They always want to ask Jesus a very tricky question. Their motivation was not try to, to figure out the, what the answer is, but their, their motivation was to trap him, right? And I believe, like Simon, there are a lot of people today who invite Jesus into their lives for the wrong motives. Think about those who believed, who have brought, bought into the lies of the prosperity gospel. Those people who want to get famous, who wants to get fit in, and or some people who just want to get all the blessings from Jesus. You know, those people treat our Lord Jesus like a genie. They don't care what they don't care what Jesus wants from them, but they only care what they want from Jesus. People can do the right things with the wrong motives, but Jesus cares about our hearts than our deeds. Care more about our hearts than our deeds. So whatever we do, examine our motivations first, because Jesus cares about our hearts more than our deeds. As the narrative continues, here we see the other main character of our story, the unexpected visitor to Jesus. Verse 37 to 38, as Jesus was reclining at the table at the Pharisee's house, a woman who lived a sinful life showed up at Simon's house. This woman is not your average, uh, I know for a guy called Average Joe, but maybe this is not your average Jolene, let's call her that. She is that woman in town. She is that woman in town. Everyone in town knows this woman's story. Everyone at scene was asking the question, what on earth is she doing here? Why is she here? She's not welcomed here. She, sh she should not be here. Unlike Simon the host, the society labeled her as sinful, unclean, and an outcast. In other words, she is a woman of shame in people's eyes. You see the contrast of those two characters, right? One, by the public, in the public eyes, are very high, high in, in status, righteous, the other one is very low, untouchable, and sinful. You see the contrast. But when she knows Jesus, the famous rabbi everyone talks about was in town, she risked all, she risked everything and went to Jesus. Even though she knew people would talk about me. People would look down upon me, I had no doubt. But she risked everything, went to Jesus. She even brought a jar of a very expensive perfume to anoint Jesus. She showed incredible courage just by being there. And I love her boldness in her pursuit of Jesus. And maybe some of you can relate to her. I don't know your story. Maybe some people at this church know your story. Maybe the whole church knows your story, but you decided you know, I want to be here to worship Jesus. I don't care what other people would, would think of me. I don't care what other people say about me, but I care about Jesus. That's why you're here. I want to thank you for being here. And I promise you that you put 
a big smile on our Heavenly Father's face. Thank you for being here. I love your boldness in your pursuit of Jesus. The flip side of this woman can be true as well. Maybe some of you have been keeping a distance from Jesus. Maybe you have been like pushing Jesus away in the public simply because you are afraid of what other people would say about you. Simply, you just don't want people to say, oh, because of her faith, we could not be friends with her. Or because of his faith, I cannot be friends. Or he is not welcomed on this team. So this might be your story. But can I just let you know a truth? Their opinions about you doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Whatever they say about you doesn't matter. Only Jesus' opinion about you matters. Only Jesus' opinion about you matters. I have known people lost friends. I've known people lost family members, jobs, opportunities, and even lives because of their love for Jesus. Those around us may mock and reject us, but Jesus never, never will. In Matthew 10, verse 32 to 33, Jesus said, Whoever acknowledged me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. So friends, don't let other people's opinion hinder your pursuit of our Jesus, even in public. Don't let other people's opinion hinder your pursuit of Jesus. We continue to look at verse 38. You know, because in that time, you know, they, they don't sit at a table like what we do today. They recline at a table. Because Jesus and other guests were reclining at the table, the woman was, was standing behind him and at his feet. At his feet, at Jesus' feet, she was weeping. She wept her feet, uh, his feet with tears. She showed her genuine repentance of her sins. At Jesus' feet, she wiped them with her hair, kissed his feet. She showed her strong affection to our Lord Jesus. And that's what our Lord Jesus took notice of. That's her deep love for him. I just really love the phrase, at Jesus' feet. I did a study. I said, at Jesus' feet, where are the scriptures showed? I read, people got healed. People find rest. People found truth by lessening his teaching at his feet. And another passage I found actually in Revelation, it says, it says people worshipped him at his feet. Those are the things we do at Jesus' feet. I think uh, a lot of times, especially in this culture, we tend to do a lot of things very quickly, things after another, we forget the power of sitting at Jesus' feet. So I simply just want to encourage all of us this week, maybe we just need to spend more time at Jesus' feet. That's where we find stillness. That's where, where we find rest. That's where we worship. That's where we hear his gentle whisper to tell us, child, I got you. I know your story. I love you. That's where we need to be, at Jesus' feet. 
This woman gave far more respect and honor to our Lord than the Pharisee who was supposed to do all these customary things to welcome Jesus as his guest. You know, in that culture, hospitality was very, very important. Hospitality was very important. When you invited a guest to your home, you, they usually will leave their sandals at door and immediately that you will provide a servant to, to have a towel on one hand, a basin of water on the other hand, and it's the servant's job to wash your guest's feet. And you know, back then, people wear the open-toe, uh, I guess, open-toe sandals. You know, it's very dirty. So that's the servant's job, to wash the guest's feet. It's also uh, a customary to greet your friends with a kiss when you have someone to your house to eat. Just imagine if today you have invited some of your friends come to your house to eat. Would you not offer them some water to drink or some drinks? Would you not show them where the bathroom is? Would you not serve them? Uh, their, would you not just put some food on their plate? Just show those uh, very uh, basic uh, courtesy to your guests? But this Pharisee didn't do anything. This Pharisee didn't do anything to our Lord Jesus, that's where we see clearly Simon's pride because he didn't show Jesus respect by doing those customary things. And after he, after he saw what the sinful woman did to Jesus, he even unqualified Jesus as a prophet in his heart. Verse 39, we read, When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this woman, uh, sorry, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Knowing his heart and thought, Jesus then showed Simon that he knows the heart of man by exposing what he was thinking in his heart. In Psalm 44, 21, it says this, Would not God find this out? For he knows the secrets of the heart. God knows our heart. God knows our thoughts. So that's when Jesus directly speaks into what Simon spoke quietly or in private to himself by telling a, a parable, by telling a story. That's where we found in, in verse 41 to 48, recorded a parable and a teaching by Jesus. I'm not going to reread all the, the scriptures, but the summary of the story is this. Two debtors cannot pay back to their money lender the money they owned, they borrowed. One owed 50 days worth of pay. The other owed 500 days worth of pay. But the money lender decided to forgive both of them. They decide, he decided to forgive both of their debts. Then Jesus asked Simon a question. Uh, something worth noticing here, Jesus' question to Simon was not, which of them was forgiven more? Have you ever wondered that? Which of them forgiven more? One was forgiven 50 days of worth of pay, the other 500. But Jesus' question was, which of them will love him more? From his question, I think that tells me the story is more than about financial debts. It's sometimes even more than just forgiveness. You see the connection between forgiveness and love. 
from Jesus' question. There is a link between forgiveness and love. The story continues with the teaching moment of Jesus. This specifically teaching moment I really like in verse 44. Luke 7, verse 44, says this, Simon, do you see this woman? I was so curious when I was doing the study of this. Uh, I was like, I really want to know what tone did our Lord Jesus used when he said this to Simon. He was looking at the woman and turned to Simon and said, do you see this woman? I'm imagining in my head because our Lord is so uh, gentle, so um, forgiving, so compassionate. His voice might be, do you see this woman, Simon? Do you see her? Do you see what this woman did to me? Do you see her example, Simon? Do you see her love, her repentance, her devotion to me? I like what author James Clear says, people usually judge you based on where you are at currently, not what you could become eventually. Man, I appreciate people in my life saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. People saw the potential in me that I didn't see. People see something beyond my current stage. That people who saw what I can become eventually. Do you have some of those people in your life? Jesus was teaching Simon to see beyond the sinful woman's past or even her current situation. Simon, do you see her? And I believe Jesus invites you and I to see sinners as he sees sinners. He sees her repent, repentant heart and her genuine love for Jesus. Jesus sees what she could become eventually. Aren't you grateful for a Savior like that? That he didn't see where we were when we were still sinners. He saw where we could, where, uh, who could we become eventually through putting faith in him. Romans says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's a Savior who didn't see, who didn't judge us based on where we were or where we were at that moment. But he saw something beyond that that moment. In this parable, Jesus told when the word forgive was mentioned, so was the word love. The, the parable is about the connection between forgiveness and love. I, I really like verse, seven, uh, verse 47. Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. I want you to remember this. Forgiven people are loving people. Forgiving, forgiven people are loving people. Because there is a connection between forgiveness and love. So does our love for Jesus match his forgiveness for us? That's a question I think we need to ask. But we need to be clear here. She was not forgiven because of her great love. Her great love was evidence that she had been 
forgiven. Don't misunderstand that. So after pointing out this woman's great affection for him, out of her thankfulness because of, because of forgiveness, Jesus told her that her faith has saved her. Go in peace. Of course, that statement offended people, as Jesus always do in that culture. Uh, of course, that statement got some reactions from the onlookers uh, at, that, at that table. In verse 49, the guest says this, Who is this who even forgives sins? Even the guests at Simon's house began to realize that Jesus was more than a prophet. When you encounter Jesus, you ask deep life questions. People's lives are changed when they encounter Jesus. I also suspect if Jesus was using this encounter to answer, John the Baptist sent two disciples to ask him, that if you remember in Luke 6, verse 19, uh, John the Baptist sent two disciples to ask Jesus a question. Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus never gave a yes and no answer directly, right? You know his answer. He said, just go back to report what you saw. I wonder if Jesus was using this encounter to let those disciples or whoever stayed behind to report back. Jesus was answering that question with a solid yes. I am the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Francis Chan said this, the Bible is not a historical book. The Bible is a treasure map, meaning that after we read it, we need to do something. We need to take actions. And also, I want to tell you guys, you know, the Bible is not a book of information. The Bible is a book of transformation, meaning after you read God's word, your life should be changed, or you need to act on it. I like Craig's prayer. God, open our ears. Do not let us only become hearers of the word, but doers. So, after we have read the last portion of Luke 7, what are some steps you need to take? Do you need forgiveness from Jesus? Or what her example tells your love for Jesus? Is our love matching the forgiveness Jesus have given to us? Do you need some time simply to sit at Jesus' feet to have some rest? As we wrap up this sermon series today on compassion according to Jesus, here are three takeaways I want for all of us that from today's passage. Number one is this, we can have peace with God through faith in Jesus. We can have peace with God through faith in Jesus. Uh, I like the definition for compassion Craig mentioned in his first sermon of the series. He said, compassion is to give up my wants for other people's needs. Compassion is to give up my wants for other people's needs. As I was thinking about this, and I realized that's exactly what Jesus did for you and I. He showed great compassion for us. In Luke 22, verse 42, uh, when Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says this, Father, 
If you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. That's the tremendous compassion our Lord Jesus showed to you and I. His wants was to take this cup away from him. Yet he gave his wants up for our needs to be forgiven. So that's when he said, Father, yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus gave up his wants for our needs to be forgiven from sin. Forgiveness is ready from God, and our part is to come with humility and loving submission to put our faith in Jesus. In Romans 5, verse 1, Paul summarizes it very well for us. That says, if we put our faith in Jesus, what will happen? Paul says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. My question for you is, do you need that peace today? Do you need that peace today? Jesus' compassion is available for you. If you do, I encourage you, do not let today pass without talking to one of the elders of our church or talk to Craig about it. Do not let today pass without having a conversation to ask, how can I have that kind of peace? I guarantee you, they'll be thrilled to have that conversation with you, to tell you how you can have that peace with God and become part of God's family. Second, our forgiveness by Jesus should be a fountain of our love for Jesus. Our forgiveness by Jesus should be a fountain of our love for Jesus. Uh, Some of you probably know the phrase or acronym TGIF, TGIF. Maybe some of you have used that before. Uh, In the middle of 1960s, the TGIF expression became a very common expression of relief at the end of the work week and the anticipation of relaxing and partying over the weekend. Uh, But if you have never heard this uh, acronym before, you have never used it before, let let me teach another interpretation of this so you can use it more often. TGIF stands for thank God I'm forgiven. Thank God I'm forgiven. Not thank God is Friday. Thank God I'm forgiven. In Hebrews 8 verse 12 says this, For I will forgive their, their wickedness and will remember their sins no more, declares the Lord. All of us Christ followers should use TGIF every morning when we wake up because that forgiveness by Jesus should be a fountain for our love for Jesus every morning. Number three, the third takeaway, people do not need our judgment. They need our Jesus. People do not need our judgment. They need our Jesus. It is very easy to point fingers to other people, right? To point out other people's sins, what they have done wrong, but forget about our sins. That's what Simon and the others did to the sinful woman. 
to point out her sins, but neglected theirs. In fact, church people can be labeled as judgmental. Uh, a lot of people do not want to come to church because sometimes we can be like Simon. I know this well because sometimes I caught myself to be a Simon. Um, in Romans 2, verse 1, Paul warns us, You, therefore, have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourselves. Because you who pass judgment do the same thing. I want to end my sermon with a story that I heard by, um, told by a pastor in California. His name is Jeff Walling. He talked about a lady named Joy who left the church because of people's judgmentalism. Uh, she decided to become a Satanist uh, after, he left, after she left the church. So Joy was telling Pastor Jeff the stories, all the cr crazy stories that she and her husband has been involved, and they are actually started teaching other people how to control demons. They are they're demon worshipers. And, uh, you know, she said, she even said, I don't like Christians. I don't like to church because people, are, uh, people in church are hypocritical. People are judgmental. And in that conversation, Pastor Jeff just said, oh, I can understand that. But can I just tell you one thing? He said, Jesus is in love with you. Jesus is in love with you. He loves you so much that he willingly to went on the cross for you. Because what he did, so you can have life. So Joy was very confused, and he, she was um, scratching her head and asked, after I, told every, after I told you everything I did, after I told you about my past, that's what you tell me? Are you serious? And Pastor Jeff just said, dead serious. Dead serious. Sunday mornings, uh, it's like uh, a coach calls a timeout in a sports game. And I believe this is a timeout for us in while we play the game of life. You know, in a timeout, you find rest. You maybe get some water to drink. And sometimes you are just being reminded simply by your coach, those are the plays we're going to run in the, uh, in the second, second half. Those are the strategies we have. Or sometimes the coach simply reminds you, this is a basketball. Go back to the basics. So if you allow me to use that analogy, here are the three plays I think we will run for the upcoming week. The first one is this, church, in this coming week, let's be less judgmental, more compassionate towards others. Because those are the people who Jesus was dead serious about. The people you work with. The people you see at festival when you go shopping. People that in this county, people in this city, those are the people, people that Jesus was dead serious about. The second play we will run is this, church, in this coming week, let's live in a way that to let our love for Jesus show how much 
we have been forgiving, uh, forgiven. You know, whoever has been forgiven much loves much. Let us be that group of people loves much because really we have been forgiven much. The third play we'll run is this. In this coming week, let us tell others who don't have the peace with God that we have, that they can have that kind of peace by putting their trust and faith in Jesus. Because Jesus Christ is the atoning sacrifice for the sins of mankind. Jesus is atoning sacrifice not only for our sins, but for the sins of mankind. Aren't you thankful for that? I know I am. As we run those three plays in the coming week, may the Lord be with you, may his spirit empower you, and may his grace and peace be with us all. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we are thankful, thankful that we are forgiven by you. Lord, in this coming week, I pray that you will let us to run those three plays. Father, I pray that our love will show to others how much we have been forgiven. Father, let us to tell others about you because they need you, Lord. They don't need our judgment. They need our Jesus. And also, Father, I just pray that you will let us to be less judgmental, more compassionate to other people as the whole series has been the compassion of Jesus. So let us to live that way, Lord. So thank you for giving us the opportunity to worship you today. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen.